Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this day of worship. And as we continue this morning, our greatest heart is to be near you. Lord, we thank you uh, that you offer yourself to us so freely and so fully by the grace that you have given in your son Jesus for all who believe. So this morning we know that you long for faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You look not at our outward appearance this morning, but you look upon our heart and you desire to give your heart to us. Your very presence is our good. And so, Lord, we just come this morning longing for more of you, desiring to be surrendered to you, Lord, that you might continue to redeem and restore us to the people you desire us to be, radiant for your glory. We thank you, Jesus, for this first day of the week that is wholly devoted to resting in your presence and drawing near, receiving from your living word that still speaks today to our hearts of you. And Lord, we just uh, pray that in this time we would be wholly focused upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. I'm glad to be back with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to get them open to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing our series this morning, Set Free. And our heart in this series has been uh, to just point our attention to God. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 18 is the verse that I gave you on the very first week of this series. I have seen his ways, God says, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of his lips. Peace, peace to the far and peace to the near, says the Lord. I will heal him. All of us, all of us are in need of recovery. Everyone uh, needs recovery. We all have the reality of sin in our lives. The reality is all of us are broken. Sin has wrecked us, and we've got to be honest about our brokenness. And we've got to be honest about the fact that uh, we desperately need salvation, and we also desperately need God to continue his work in us, restoring us in his image, which is what we call sanctification. And Jesus came for, for both of these things, no matter what it is that we are, are facing in our life. And for many of us, the the things that we once turned to as the solution for our problems have, have actually become the, the biggest problems in and of themselves. And many of us just understand this, being, being trapped in brokenness and being trapped in sin. But our heart in this series has been to point to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to point to Him. Because in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, Jesus came for this very purpose. Jesus came so that we could have forgiveness of sin 
and not just forgiveness of sin, but so that we could have freedom from sin. He came that we might have eternal salvation, and he came that we might experience today daily deliverance. He came that we might be set free. And our hope in this series again and again has just been to point to our great God and the redeeming work that he desires to do. We've been walking through the Celebrate Recovery Principles. The concept that we've been going through in this series is not original to ICC or to me. It is, uh, is part of the Celebrate Recovery ministry. And this morning, um, I just want to remind us of where we have been. This week we're on week five, but we've, we're in principle five. Uh, where we have been so far, we started with principle one, the reality choice, realizing. And by the way, these steps are the steps of recovery. Uh, if you're uh, caught in sin or addiction, these are the same steps. No matter what program you go to, this is, this is the process. First, we realize that we are not God, that we are powerless to control our own tendency to do the wrong thing, and that our lives are unmanageable. And principle two, which we call the hope choice, we saw this. We must earnestly believe that God exists, that we matter to him, and that he has the power to help us recovery. And principle three, which we call the commitment choice, we consciously choose to commit all of our life and will to Christ's care and control. And principle four, which we looked at last week, the house cleaning choice, we do this. We openly examine and confess our faults to God, to ourselves, and to someone who we trust. All of these are found reflected in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, and the one that we'll continue today is also found there. So I want you to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 5. I'll start reading in verse 1. I'll read from the English Standard Version. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is giving these words to his disciples and he's giving these words to us as principles of the new kingdom. And we've talked about uh, each of these as we've walked through the principles, all of these principles coming straight from uh, the scripture itself. This morning, we're going to be focusing our attention on verse 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those whose deepest yearning whose deepest longing, whose greatest desire is for righteousness. For they 
shall be satisfied. Another translation says it this way. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. We can talk about righteousness both in the form of the indwelling presence of Christ who is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. We talked about that in the song that we just sang, our cornerstone, his blood and righteousness. We can also talk about it as that ongoing work of sanctification, that ongoing process where, yes, we are right with God when we trust in Jesus, but progressively he continues his work of redemption and restoration in us. It's, it's what we had talked about previous, that our greatest desire is not just to experience the forgiveness of Jesus, but also the freedom of Jesus. We progressively grow into his likeness as we yield ourselves more and more to him, grow in greater love and adoration of him. His presence is indwelling in us, and he progressively makes us into his image more and more and more. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to experience more and more intimacy with Jesus and experience his redeeming and restoring work more and more in our lives. In the CR principle, the principle five, we, we call it the transformation choice. So if you're writing this morning, I encourage you to take notes. We call this principle the transformation choice. Because it's not only about getting into relationship with God, but it's growing into our relationship with God. And we're going to talk about this more, but the whole Bible speaks to the reality that God, we live in a Western culture, y'all, where we just end up in, this, in a decision-based culture as it relates to Christianity. We just need to make a decision for Jesus, and then we go on with the rest of our lives. But that's not the way the Bible speaks. The Bible calls us not to be decision-makers, but to be disciples, to be on a process of transformation as we grow in relationship with Him. We are to be changing daily as we grow in intimacy with Jesus and ask for him more, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So this principle says this. Principle five, it's the V. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. The big word here transformation, or we could call it a change. Another place that probably, if I had to pick another scripture, where this is seen so clearly. It's in the book of Romans when Paul is writing to the church of Rome and in chapter 12, after he has urged them to be reconciled to God on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be right with God and it's not by seeking to change uh, ourselves. It's, it's seeking to accept what God has done for us in his grace to save us in Jesus Christ. Paul lays out the gospel of justification by faith on the basis of Christ's righteousness alone. But then in Romans chapter 12, as he nears kind of the more personal and practical side of the outworkings of salvation, he says this in verses 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
In, in other words, he's just finished this huge doctrine of justification by faith, what it looks like to be right in a relationship with Christ alone. I appeal to you, therefore, on the basis of all of this mercy of God, to do what? He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, if you are one who's experienced the incredible, amazing, gracious generosity of God, his mercy and salvation through Jesus Christ, and many of us in the room have experienced that. If you haven't, that's the first step. But for those who have, we don't just sit idly by waiting for Jesus to come again. Our life now looks like a daily bringing of ourselves to God, humbly coming to him, longing to worship him. And how do we worship him now? We bring our bodies as living sacrifices. We seek on a daily basis not to be continuing in the pattern and the culture and the ruts of this world and our old sin and our old self and all the old ways. No, we we seek not to be conformed to the world, but rather we seek daily to be transformed. Metamorphoses, so from the inside out, transformed by the renewing of our minds. So this is what we're talking about. Principle five. I get excited. I got to calm down because I haven't even taught, started teaching this content yet. Um, this is what we're talking about with step five. It's a transformation choice to voluntary, voluntarily bring ourselves to God. Voluntarily submit our all to him. And humbly seek him. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Being transformed by the renewal. Humbly seek him. Seeking him that he might make us new. That he might remove our character defects. Everybody with me? All right. So the big thing that I want to do this morning is I want to talk about how we can cooperate with God in this process. But before I do that, I want to talk briefly about the origin of some of our character defects and then discuss why it's so hard to get rid of them. You got stuff to write notes with? Here we go. The first thing I want to start with is, is really helping you and us understand where it is that our character defects come from. And there's really three places that we could point to, and I'm going to do this very brief, briefly. There's a biological place, there's a sociological place, and then there's a theological place. We'll start with the biological place, and, and these are all going to start with C to help you. The first one is our chromosomes. And you're... The reality is uh, your mom and dad uh, contributed 23 <laughs> chromosomes uh, each. And the reality is we inherit both strengths and weakness, both positive characteristics and negative characteristics from our, our, our parents. Um, I, I really do believe, and I believe there's evidence in the scripture to back this up, but we do, there is, of course, the, the physical stuff that we inherit, our height and our, the look of our skin. Thank the Lord, Caroline is beautiful, just like her mom. I mean, you can just see the chromosomes. Thank you, Lord, for Michelle's chromosomes. Um, but it's more than just physical. I do believe that there are 
there are emotional things that we inherit too, predisposition towards certain problems. If you look at my own family, on both sides of my family, I can see uh, really just hereditary, if, if you like to describe it that way, struggles, uh, predispositions. Uh, we, we know that there are, there are people who are predisposed towards certain addictions uh, more than others. And uh, you look at it, and it really does seem like that points to, a lot of times, the issues that are going on uh, chromosomally through families. Exodus chapter 34, uh, God talks to Moses and describes the sin that is passed from, from generation to generation. And the reality is... Um, Understanding this uh, does perhaps help you understand some of your current struggles. But let me tell you this. It does not excuse your current struggles. It does help bring understanding, but it does not provide an excuse. If my dad uh, has a tendency to have a hot temper, it does not excuse me to go out and do the same thing with my family. If I have a predisposition toward laziness or lethargy, it does not excuse me to just do nothing with my life and sit around and be a bum. So we might have tendencies toward certain struggles, but it does not provide an excuse for us to stay in that struggle. Number two, not only do we bring in chromosomes, but we also bring in circumstances. Some might call this nature versus nurture. And the reality is sociology does play a role in our defects. Uh, the circumstances of how we were raised and how we grew up and even our current circumstances do contribute to our character. Uh, much of how we behave and how we relate to others was learned from how we watch other people. Much of it was learned from watching your parents, watching your peers, watching your teachers, you develop certain patterns, and many times you figure out how to cope with hurt, and you figure out how to cope with rejection, and you figure out uh, just how to handle yourself in ways of looking to others responding to their own hurts and rejections and issues. And the reality is, as well, many of the current defects that we have in our character are simply, you can call it self-defeating, but they are attempts many times to meet our unmet needs. We have legitimate needs for respect. And if you don't get respect early in life, then you settle to get attention and respect and figure out a way to get it in other ways, some of them positive and some of them negative. Many of you who are in uh, spheres of education or healthcare where you're relating, I know this because my wife is in the adolescent field, and we just know in our community, if you talk to hurting people, you can understand they have a basic need for things like respect or maybe, you know, a legitimate need for love. And if you don't feel loved as a child by your parents, you're going to seek out feeling loved somewhere. And that often leads to superficial relationships or one-night stands. Or if you don't feel secure in your home environment, if you grew up feeling insecure, often what happens is that leads to seek security through maybe a gang or accumulation of possessions or maybe some kind of social status or some relationship. The bottom line is our circumstances, both past and present, sometimes help us understand the things that we struggle with today. And third, not just our chromosomes, our circumstances, but third, and this is the, the most significant one, our own choices. This is the most significant because they're the one thing that we can do something about. 
We cannot control our parents, who they are, how they acted. We cannot go back and change the environment of our childhood, but we can, by God's power, change the choices that we make. And many times we develop our character defects because of sinful, against God, rebellious, negative choices that we have made. And many times if we've done these things long enough, they become habits. And once they're in a habit, you're stuck. You don't intend to develop habits like these in your life, but you do them certain ways over time and you end up, you get stuck. Nobody ever thinks that they're going to get addicted, but after a series of choices, that is what happens. So ultimately, we are responsible for the choices that we make. Now, why does it take so long to get rid of these character defects? I want to give, talk about this, and then we're going to talk about how do we cooperate with God in the sanctification process. How do we take, how, why is it that it takes so long for us to, to see growth in this area, in these areas of our lives? Number one, uh, I want to mention four of these. Number one that we like to mention is Security. Security. Many of us have had these so long that these things become our security. And if you're not aware of them, then you need to be. It's human nature to hold on to the things that are familiar, even the things that are causing us pain. And many people, we don't get our issues overnight. Many of these have been developing even from childhood. And they may not be comfortable, and they may be self-defeating, but at least they're familiar. And we can get stuck, like an old pair of shoes. Anybody ever had an old pair of shoes? And they're terrible. They've got holes in them. They let the water in, but you still wear them because they're familiar. It's hard to let go of them. Secondly, sometimes we get stuck because of our identity. And this is really important for you guys, all of us, to understand we can often confuse our defects, our sin struggles with our identity. We confuse our identity with the identity of our character defects. And we've heard testimonies in this series like that. We just talk about that's just the way I am. I'm just a workaholic. I'm just an anxious person. Or I'm just incredibly passive. I just have a temper. And we just excuse it, and we associate these sin struggles with our identity. And the problem is our words often become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you always say, I just get anxious on planes, then you're probably always going to get anxious on planes. And many, and many times, just by choosing to ascribe these things to our identity, we end up just being okay with the continuation of these sin struggles in our life, and we wonder if we really let go of these things, will I still be me? They're so intertwined with who we believe that we really are. This is why in Celebrate Recovery, if you come on a Friday night, and I really encourage you to come, uh, what you will hear as people stand up to lead is they will say, Hi, I'm Barrett. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with X, Y, or Z. Now, the reason we talk about that in CR is we don't stand up and identify ourselves primarily with our struggle. Hi, I'm Barrett, and I struggle with whatever. No, we identify ourselves as those who are the redeemed ones of Jesus Christ. 
Our primary identity is not our sin struggle, but the redemption that Jesus has brought in our life by his grace. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a believer of Jesus. I'm a redeemed one. And I happen to struggle with X, Y, or Z, but he's bringing me out of that too. See what I'm saying? It's just like in the New Testament over and over uh, as, you know, Paul, he'll say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, redeemed by the grace of God. He, he addresses the Ephesus to the church of Eph- to the saints of Ephesus. He's going to deal with them on a whole host of issues, but he's going to call them saints because their primary identity is the loved ones, the holy ones of God, the redeemed ones of his blood. So we've got to be careful not to identify with our sin struggle because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, The old has gone and the new has come. Behold, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. My sin no longer defines me. What defines me is the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Third, another issue that we've got to work through is reality that many times we get stuck in these things because of payoff. We get stuck because these things offer us a temporary reward. Every defect has a payoff, and sometimes the payoff can temporarily mask our pain. It could be giving us attention or getting us the means to control or giving us an excuse to fail or compensate for guilt. Uh, But the reality is, uh, if a negative behavior is repeated, often you've got to be able to identify what is it that you're temporarily getting a payoff for because that's got to be sacrificed at the cross. Because we don't live for temporary rewards. We live for eternal rewards. We don't want to be like Esau who sold his birthright for a temporary meal and forfeited what could have been his eternally. Fourth, the reality is we also struggle with an enemy, Satan. And we also, we, we struggle with his accusations and discouragement. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 calls him a tempter. And 1 John chapter 3 calls him a destroyer. And John chapter 8, which I think... Uh, I don't think I have it up on the screen, but it says the, the Bible, he, Jesus says that he is a liar and the father of lies. And the reality is Satan does try to discourage us and put negative thoughts into our head. Who do you think you are? How are you going to change? Forget it. You're such a failure. God could never love you. No one could ever be freed of this stuff. And he constantly is working in our heads and in our hearts to discourage us and to make us feel defeated and just totally like we're not even worthy of the cross. But the reality is we're not worthy of the cross, but God loves us so much that he still gave Jesus Christ for us. We are not saved by our worthiness. We are saved by his grace. But we have to fight against Satan. And often that discouragement or the lack of the fight, Jesus was tempted, but he fought with the word of God. And the reality is many of us don't fight. And because of that, we just are in, in these tough places. So this is some of the reasons that it's so hard. But the reality is this choice is a transformation choice. We've talked about it. We have to make changes, which is the title of the message today. We have to. We have to continue to move toward God, fighting not only to to realize forgiveness, but to realize freedom, seeking a daily deliverance by the help of God. And the question for us is how how do we do this? How do we do this? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Don't be conformed, but be transformed. How do you do this in a practical way? 
How do you bring yourself as a living sacrifice? A couple of things that we're going to point out as we talk about how to cooperate with God in the change process. And again, my fear in teaching this is it, it feels like I, none of the things that we're talking about today are self-help. All of the things we're talking about today are only possible by the power and grace of God working in our hearts and lives. None of it is possible on our own. But this helps us to focus ourselves as we go to God seeking sanctification. The Lord is a sanctifier. He is not only a justifier. I've, I've said this over and over and over and over and over and over again in this message alone. But I'm trying to help you see. Some of us are too content and just being forgiven by God, and we're not eager to walk toward freedom. Some of us are too content to only know God as a justifier, but friends, the one who justifies us also sanctifies us. The one who delivers us eternally also today in my life wants to deliver me from the sin struggles that bind me. Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I just don't want any of us. I'm not angry. I just realized I was shouting a little bit. I'm not angry. But I don't want any of us to get content. This is what Paul describes in Romans chapter 5. He said, you know, because we're saved by grace, should we just be okay to live in sin? By no means. Let it not be. For don't you know that the grace that saved you is also the grace that can deliver you on a daily basis? And bring you more to Jesus. So how do we do this in practical ways? Number, number one. Number one. We focus on one at a time. We focus on God bringing to God. We bring our whole selves. But we also pray for God to show us what areas of our life he wants us to surrender to him. One at a time. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 24 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. There might be a list of 30 things that we talked about last week you identify in your own inventory, but the reality is if you try to tackle all of them at once, it's going to be like a fly buzzing around in a lot of directions and really making no progress, but you should make a lot of noise, okay? The reality is we focus ourselves Specifically, one change at a time, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And if you try to do all of it at once, you get overwhelmed and discouraged. But we focus one at a time, such as issues of anger or dishonesty or, or purity or anxiety. And we ask God, God, what, what in my life, like Psalm 139, Search me and know me. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is David's prayer of principle five, okay? God, search my heart. Show me the specific area where I am grieving you and lead me in this area today. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Lasting. We ask God specifically. This is, a, this is a dangerous proposition. You ever gone to God and say, God, would you show me the area of sin today? 
that you desire to see me delivered from? Would you show me the specific area that you're wanting to bring righteousness? See, blessed are those, Jesus says, blessed are those who, who, who are praying like this, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, who are yearning to move in a greater degree every day toward Jesus and his righteousness, God and his righteousness. Show me. One at a time. Show me. Secondly, we not only take our issues one at a time and, and pray like Psalm 139. And by the way, that's a verse you need to memorize. The very last two verses of Psalm 139, okay? Not only do we do that, but secondly, we focus a day at a time. With the specific issues that God reveals, we focus on a daily basis. Jesus doesn't give us all the groceries we need for the entire year so we could stuff our refrigerator full and become hoarders and then forget about him. Y'all know that, right? There's a reason that God designs things the way that he designs them. We're supposed to live in daily dependency. He teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, just a chapter after these Beatitudes, and he says, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to take one day at a time and trust him with each day. And some of us in our in our world where we have so much, we lose this daily dependence mentality that God wants us to have. We are to be wholly dependent upon God day by day. It works like that for our daily bread and also works like that for our daily deliverance over struggle. God wants to give us enough strength for each, each day. My mom always uh, would talk about this when we would go to bed at night. I would struggle because I'd be thinking about all the things I need to do. I'm a planner by nature. Anybody else a planner? And I just get overwhelmed by it all. And she said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. But she'd also tell me, you know, God doesn't give us strength for more than today. He'll give you enough strength for tomorrow. And she's just quoting the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He says this, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. In other words, God's going to take care of tomorrow. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. In other words, let your whole focus be depending on God today. Some of us like to take a lifetime problem, a lifetime problem, and become Billy Graham tomorrow. We live in a world of instant potatoes. Thank you, Lord, for instant potatoes. I love those things. We live in a world of instant potatoes, instant coffee, right? I mean, you just push the button and we expect to have it. Instant popcorn. I mean, I guess that's always been instant. I don't know. Instant information. We get so used to having everything so quickly. But the reality is that's not the way that we experience victory in Jesus. We experience victory day by day as we come to him and depend on him and trust him we 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 don't set deadlines for ourselves we just surrender ourselves to God one day at a time and we pray when we get up in the morning lord today i if if i'm struggling with impatience for instance lord today i want to gaze upon your beauty I want, to, I want to hide myself under your wings and your temple, and I want to gaze upon your beauty. You have been patient and kind with me. This is who you are. 
Lord, if it were not for your patience and kindness, I would have been lost and I would be wrecked. I would be lost forever. But Lord, you are patient and long-suffering with me. And Lord, you live in me. I celebrate your patience. And I thank you that your patience, your very presence, your patient presence indwells in me. And Lord, today, I am asking you to help me to focus on your patience and kindness toward me. And that you would be present in me today to make me patient and kind. Lord, I know I can't do it, but you can. And in circumstances today, I pray that I would see your indwelling presence, Lord, overflowing through me. That your patience and kindness would be exhibited in my life, Lord. You see what I'm saying? Uh, We're not, if your struggle is pornography, you're not uh, today praying for your whole lifetime that forevermore uh, I'm never, ever, ever going to be tempted and I'm never, ever, ever going to ever have to think about this struggle again. I'm No, I'm praying today, give me my daily bread. Jesus, today I am asking that you focus my mind on your character for you are pure. There is no impurity in you. And Jesus, you are better than anything that I could look at in this world, including the pornography that so presently tempts me. And Jesus, I'm just praying that you keep my focus on your purity and the beauty of your worth and that you, your very pure presence in me would be my purity and would be my hope. You see what I'm saying? It's a daily, it's a daily prayer. And it keeps us from making rash vows. I'll promise I'll never ever do it again from now until all eternity. No, we're just We're just depending on God today. And at night, before we go to sleep, we're thanking God. Do you do this? We're thanking God for every victory, no matter how small. We are praising Jesus that he is a deliverer. And we are resting, not in ourselves, but in him. Not in our goodness, but in his grace. In the finished work of the cross. Number three. How do we cooperate with God in this? Number three, we focus on God's power, not my willpower. We focus on God's power, not my willpower. Anybody ever remember the New Year's resolution you made this year? How's that going? Studies show 80% of us can't even keep them for six weeks. Willpower is not enough in our daily struggles with sin. If willpower was enough, you would already be changed. And you're not. You haven't, so you can't. The self-will cannot change because God has not designed us to be able to change our hearts. We just cannot do it. In fact, if you depend upon your own strength, it actually blocks freedom and recovery from your life. And we talked about that back in Principles 1-4. to God's Word gives us a profound insight here. In Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23, God says, Can a leopard... Take away its spots? What do y'all think? Nope. Neither can you, who are used to doing evil, start doing good. How foolish are we to think that our willpower can change? God looks at us and says, you want to go ahead and try? Try. But if you can understand a leopard by trying, not going to change its spots, then you have to understand in your own life, with your own struggles, you cannot change your heart on your own. 
That's why in Ezekiel chapter 36, it was such good news when God comes to the people and says, I will give you, I will give you. This is a new covenant. It's not about what you will do. I will give you a new heart. God says, I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's saying, my very presence in your life is your hope. So don't lean on your own willpower. Lean on me, for I am your power. First Thessalonians chapter 5, he echoes this heart to sanctify us. In verses 23 and 24, the prayer is, May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. The instruction is not, Get yourself together, boy. Don't you know God's a holy God? Clean yourself up. It's not like that. God looks at us and says, here's my heart for you. I am your God, your peace. And I want to sanctify you wholly. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly. May your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who called you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. In other words, you will experience the indwelling presence of Jesus and sanctification that he has promised because he can surely do it. He is faithful to those who are his. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you. All the willpower in the world will not change you. And until we get to the point where we stop trying on our own, we're never going to experience transformation. Transformation comes as a work of the Spirit of God that lives within us as we trust Him by faith. Number four. Number four is this. We focus We focus on what we want, not on what we don't want. We focus on what we want, not what we don't want. And I'm not talking about this in a carnal, fleshly sense. I'm talking about this in a spiritual sense, longing for righteousness, okay? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. There is a clear instruction that you need to memorize if you've never memorized it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on these things. We are called by God in our sanctification process to focus our minds on him and on the things that he desires for us. I don't know that we can... Oh, I don't have time to go into this. Our minds... Our minds play a powerful role in our lives as followers of Jesus. Romans 12, by the renewal of your minds... Our minds are essential, and we are not called to be passive and reactive with our minds. We are called to be proactive and intentional with our minds. 
And many of us struggle because we are not doing what God has told us to do with our minds. We have to be proactive and intentional. We are to focus on the good things of Philippians chapter 4, not the bad things. Because whatever you focus on, you move toward. Whatever you focus on dominates your life. And if you focus on the bad, it will continue to dominate your life. Whatever has your attention has you. Okay? Whatever has your attention has you. So if I'm struggling with sexual purity, I'm probably not going to do well sitting around saying, I'm not going to think about sex. I'm not going to think about sex. I'm not going to think about sex. Stop thinking about sex. Why am I? It's probably not good. Here's my encouragement. Instead of resisting, try refocusing. Okay? Stop resisting. Please resist. Okay? I shouldn't say stop resisting. Resist. Resist. But don't just resist. Turn to refocus. Okay? It's like if I'm flipping the channel at home and suddenly I'm going up and Naked and Afraid comes on. Probably not a good idea to stay on that channel, folks. Instead of keeping it on the channel and going, oh, don't look, don't look, don't look. It's probably a better idea to change the flipping channel. Everybody agree with me? In the same way in our sin struggles, it is important to change the channel of our mind. Not just to say, don't do it, don't do it, but to refocus and to move on. And this is the power of God's word. This is where God's word has been learning to live in God's word. has been the most glorious transformational thing that has ever happened in my life. And I think other people here will witness to that. Learning to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible and it is the perfect channel to change your mind to. It is the most helpful discipline that you could ever pursue to memorize God's word, to do it daily, to do it weekly, to fill your mind with God's word. You will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Some of us don't know the truth because we don't memorize the truth. We don't hide and dwell and live in the truth. We need the truth of God. It is our sword in the battle. And we need to focus on God's word for by focusing on God's word. By, see, it, when it gets our attention and God gets us, what we focus on, we move toward. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I got to move on. Next, number four, number five. Thank goodness we're on number five. All right. Number five, we focus on doing good, not feeling good. We focus on doing good, not feeling good. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, if you are guided by the Spirit, you will not be in the danger of yielding to self-indulgence. In other words, walk by the Spirit, he says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you wait till you feel like changing, you will never change. Can I get a witness? The enemy wants to make sure you never feel like changing. But if you go ahead and do the right thing, your feelings will catch up. Now, the right thing should come from a heart for God. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Okay? But... And practically, if, if we live by the Spirit, we know that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We have to choose the right thing. Choose where the Spirit of God is leading us. 
It's never going to feel normal to walk out of the things that have been walking in, fam in familiar ways for years. But if you do the right thing over and over, your feelings will catch up. And if you focus on what is right and draw on the Holy Spirit's power, then you will experience victory. Number six, we focus on people who help me, not hinder me. This is a big one. We focus on people who help us, not hinder us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad friends will ruin good habits. The right kind of people will help you. The wrong kind of people will hinder you. If you don't want to get stung, then you should stay away from bees. If you are struggling... Uh, with alcoholism, it's probably not a good idea to go hang out with friends at the bar and try to eat peanuts. If you're struggling in the area of sexual purity, if you've got friends that will not refuse to stop talking about sexually improper jokes or things like that, or, or maybe they're even tempting you in those ways, it's probably not a good, a good idea to continue to surround yourself with them. If you've got people in your life who tempt you, stay away from them. Don't be rude, but set yourself up to walk in the way of God. On the other hand, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this. Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. In other words, if you can surround yourself with community, you will have hope for experiencing more of God and his transforming work in your life. The community of people who hunger and thirst for righteousness too. Like God says in his word, Proverbs chapter 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Which is part of why we are such believers and celebrate recovery. Showing up on Friday nights at 6.30 is huge because it gives you a community of people who are also hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Recovery happens in relationship. You're never going to do it just listening to six or eight of my messages. It happens when you're with other people. Number seven. We focus on progress, not perfection. Oh, we want to be righteous. I'm not saying that we shouldn't desire to be holy like Jesus because we should. But on a daily basis, some of us can get frustrated by saying, well, I just don't, I don't see a whole lot of change yet. I'm just a total failure. I'm just never going to get there. But the reality is it is a process. Coming to Christ is a decision, and it's followed by a process. And we know Philippians chapter 1 is true, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. We turn ourselves over to God. We present ourselves as to God in the spiritual act of worship and our living sacrifice. We yield ourselves to God and we cooperate with him in the best way that we can. And God works in us day by day to change us. Daily, we're, we're moving in the direct, right direction. He wants a heart that says, God, I voluntarily submit to you all the changes you desire in my life. I humbly desire you to remove those things that are grievous to you and to lead me in the way everlasting. 
And you must never fall into the trap of thinking that, that God loves you, will love you more if you just recover a little bit more. <laughs> or that God will love you less if you go backwards. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And that is not related to your work for him at all. It's related to his work for you. It's related to his work in Jesus Christ, given as a free gift by his grace. We have to rest in the sufficiency of Christ. And we have to, out of that place of security and his love, continue to submit to him by faith. Amen? I want to call up Alan in our closing this morning um, to come and speak to this from a personal standpoint. And uh, many of you guys know Alan. Uh, he is a dear brother, and uh, he's also on staff with us here as our uh, facilities manager. And Alan, I'm just going to have you share. Um, one of the things we wanted to do, you know, we've had a lot of people testify in this series about issues that they've been uh, working through who have been a part of the Celebrate Recovery ministry, but Alan has not been a part of the Celebrate Recovery ministry, but is still experiencing an amazing work of God. And I just wanted y'all to all hear from somebody who's not a part of CR on Fridays, but is still experiencing transformation in, the, in these areas of life. So maybe you could tell them a little bit about this last season and all God's done in your uh, yeah, I've uh, I've attended one celebrate recovery session, but that's all, and it was uh, it was really uh, really helpful. Um, uh, in this last season of my life, I mean, I'm, I don't have time to go into the details, but I've uh, my journey with God began you know 15, 20 years ago, and it's every way you could possibly do it the wrong way I've I've done. I've uh, walked away from church and God on t- two occasions now. Um, I actually found ICC, as you know, about five years ago, and um, um, got out of church. And you know, it happened. You, I found that you get you get back into church the same way you get out. It's one service. You know, I I, um, I missed one service, and somehow that turned into years. And uh, and then I decided to come back uh, just for Easter Sunday, and it's uh, I've been here ever since. But uh, in this most recent season since I've been back, um, this, this series is really really had an effect on me. Um, last Sunday, I came under just severe conviction um, over the uh, the sermon. You know, when uh, when Tom was, I know you weren't here, but Tom was talking about guilt and uh, just how it, it destroys your confidence and um, it damages your relationships and it, um, it just keeps you stuck in the past. And I could relate to all three of those things. I was like, wow. So, uh, then he got to the part of how you uh, how you fix it, and uh, it it he talked about coming clean to um, you know to to yourself, to God, and to someone that you trust. And I just became overwhelmed. These things that I had, uh, things that I've done years ago, things in the past, things that I've done ten years ago or more. Um, I got to thinking, like, there's not one person at this church that knows about those things. No one on staff. In small group, no one knows these things, and I just I sat there. And I was so just overwhelmed with guilt. And um, the last thing that Tom touched on was the part about uh, forgiving yourself. And I, I understand that God forgives me. I, that's I, I understand that part, but it's uh, it's the forgiving yourself part that I I couldn't come to terms with. And I, I met with uh, one of my small group leaders after church and just broke down to him about it. But uh, I just came into to um, just severe conviction about that. 
talking about this principle this morning, we're talking about, you know, voluntarily submitting to God. Um, what has that looked like in your life um, in this last season of, of learning to just, by your own choice, submit everything to God? Yeah, it's, um, it, re- it really started with, uh, with small group for me. That's, uh, that's when in my heart, it feels like I actually became a part of this church. You know, I used to be the I used to sit on the back row, and I was the first guy out the door to run out. I didn't know anybody, and uh, but in this last season, a uh, small group was uh, was a, a big change for me. And then, uh, as far as just submitting myself to to God's will, um, I had decided, um, as you know, that I was I was going to move out west. And I'd set a deadline for myself, and I had a countdown going on a piece of paper, you know, day by day. And uh, I was really, I mean, I was honestly trying to submit to God's will about that. I. Uh, I didn't pick a city or two cities. I had a list of about 25, and I was just like, you know, Lord, you know, any any one of these, you know, you, you lead me. And I, I really thought that I was pursuing God's will. And it um, turns out that, that that's that's not God's will. Uh, that's me giving him options A, B, C, and D and, and letting him pick one of my options. Um, he, um, he showed me through finding out about uh, a, a job opening here at ICC, um, he had just, I mean, he changed my heart so much. I mean, uh, if you had tried to get me to take a job making half the money a year ago, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, and somehow, all of a sudden, this has seemed like the greatest thing ever, um, this this job opening. And the Lord used that to show me that of, of all my options, uh, staying in Memphis would have been the, the very last one. And it turned out to be exactly what his will for me um, was. Um, but as far as uh, in... in just in actively uh, pursuing to to his submission in my life uh, last last week, you know, after this conviction that I came about about this uh, these past sins, um, I needed to, I needed to tell somebody. And and after meeting with my small group leader Sunday, after he left, I was like, you know, I didn't actually tell him anything that I did. You know, I told him the problem, but didn't actually tell him. And uh, the first person that I the first person at this church I came clean to, I was uh, preparing to co-lead a Bible study for the first time this week, and uh, I confessed uh, a, a couple of the major sins to her, and she uh, was so helpful. She didn't judge me. She just, uh, just um, um, you know, had no judgment of me and just accepted that, and uh, that helped me so much, and, uh, and different testimonies uh, that we've had during this series, everyone's helped so much. I mean, I, w- I could totally relate to the, to Laura and Kara with the perfectionism, and uh with Kara, with the eating disorder, and Santi. I mean, Santi's testimony was so powerful for me. He he gave me the courage to to not to be here. To, he gave me the courage to to come out to that first person on Sunday, and then through that, through the encouragement with him and the encouragement for her, that gave me the the confidence to come out in in, in, in small group and uh, and talk about my past. And then that's what's made today possible. Yeah, uh, at all, but. Um, I'll just, uh, I'm not, I don't have time to go into all those things, but I will uh, just, the, the one thing, um, the one thing that I came clean about uh, that was really the most powerful for me um, was um, about uh, 10 years ago, I, I got a girl pregnant and we had an abortion and I've never dealt with that. I never came to terms with it. And uh, I've never told you this before. Uh, and I just swept it under the rug. I never, never let myself feel what I had done. And, 
you know, it's funny, about that same time, I had a friend that, uh, his name's Sean, and on Christmas morning of 2009, he smothered his nine-month-old baby. And I went to the funeral on uh, uh, January the 1st, on New Year's uh, 2010, and I had heard rumblings that it was under suspicious circumstances, and um, when I seen that he wasn't there at the funeral, I knew, I knew it was him. And I was just disgusted with him. And uh, he ended up getting sentenced to, uh, to about 20 years for that. And uh, this last week, and, uh, after, that, after Tom spoke, I, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I'm no different than Sean. I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute monster. Uh, uh, no different than he was. And that just the, the overwhelming guilt that, that came from that is, uh, is just something that I've had to... Uh, that I'm having to deal with and just and just draw close to God and submitting to. Thanks for your courage and opening up. As it relates to this ongoing process of really submitting and asking humbly for God to continue to work in our life and specific areas of character defect, what does that look like for you? It, um, it, it started off, I, I was thinking about character defects, so uh, uh, I Googled character defects, and I found out that I had a, a whole lot more of them than I, than I thought that I did, or, or at least I have in the past. Uh, I, made, I started making a list, and I uh, came up with a list of about 25, <laughs> actually, and um, um, the, the main three that I struggle with now, though, are, are perfectionism, uh, binge eating disorder, and just uh, this most recently uh, excessive guilt, uh, which I've just start, really started experiencing in the last week. And um, practically speaking, and submitting those to God, the the perfectionism uh, was was hard because I I thought that was a trait. I thought that was like a quality. Uh, you know, Jesus was perfect, and in, uh, in, in pursuing, <laughs> in, you know, so I thought that I was pursuing perfection, and. Um, uh, that that one I, I've I've come to see the the, the areas the, the problem areas that it causes in my life, but uh, uh, the the binge eating disorder I I've just had to totally turn that over to, to the Lord um, on my own willpower I've lost you know significant amounts of weight in my life on multiple occasions but never been able to keep it off and uh, I just I just um, like you were speaking about a few minutes ago about uh, just. God's power as opposed to willpower. I've just I've had to, to turn that one over to him. But the uh, the excessive feeling of guilt, that's that's the one that um, yeah, that's the one that I'm getting through this week, just uh, just taking it uh, day by day. Yeah. What does that look like practically uh, for you to take it day by day? Um as far as on a day by day basis, really well what I, I realized with most a lot of those character defects I have found that to a large extent, uh, I was like 25, a lot of them are, are, are gone on their own. And it just came from, uh, it, it, nothing that I did, it was just me, not, not me asking for change from God, but just me drawing close to God and Him bringing about the change in me. And uh, it was really encouraging to see how many of those things that just aren't there anymore, just things of the heart, uh, you know, a lot of sins of the heart, just things that I don't struggle with anymore. Like I just, I just mentioned three that I still do. I've, I've still got issues, obviously, but, uh, but practically speaking, um, that just, um, yeah, those, a lot of those things have gone away. Uh, I'm just in the process of um, just submitting the the ones that do in different ways to the Lord on an ongoing yeah. basis, though. 
Yeah. How would you encourage somebody who is kind of in the midst of this process and is working through this choice of voluntarily submitting everything and humbly seeking change? I mean, I, I would first say if you're not, if you're not, you know, if you're not in a small group, uh, that that's that's everything. I mean, to me, that's where church really happens at, and uh, and also celebrate recovery. Uh, like I said, I've only attended one, and that was before this latest issue of, of guilt came out, and I uh, I um, I got so much out of it. Uh, I would just. Uh, and I would also encourage people to just, uh, what's helped me a lot is just obedience. You know, when, when we're seeking God's will, you know, we pray to God and we ask him for, you know, it's like we expect a, you know, a, a lightning bolt to come out of heaven and God's going to speak to us. God, I'll tell you how God speaks to you. God speaks to you through your, your leadership in this church. Uh, the only reason I ever went to small group, I didn't want to go to small group. I'm an introvert. The reason I went to small group is I remember the day you were preaching and you said, if you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group. So it just, I just obeyed you. One person listened. One. That was awesome. <laughs> not even Caroline listens that well. <laughs> just playing. That's awesome. But just, just obedience. I mean, that's, it's really that. Like uh, your leaders, uh, you've got people that you look up to in this church and your leaders, when they, when they, send you scriptures, read them. When they, uh, when they give you advice, listen to it. Uh, you know, to not do so is like, you know, going to a doctor, uh, and getting a, you know, getting a prescription filled and then never, never actually getting the prescription filled. Uh, it would, it would be pointless, but, uh, but yeah, just, uh, just your leaders, they're, they're here to help you. And, um, um, you know, in the Bible, I used to think that, uh, that, you know, living the Christian life was, uh, like a hamper on my lifestyle, it would take all the fun out of it. But really, any any time in the Bible that God says to to do something, all He's telling you is to help yourself. And when He says not to do something, He's just telling you don't hurt yourself. Um, so those uh, those are the main things. Just to just get involved and uh, and also and be uh, just just be obedient. But um, I just wanted to share you 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 spoke. I, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, we I knew I was going to get up here and speak today before you. Uh, spoke the sermon, but you talked about taking it one day at a time, and I would just like to share um, just uh, if just James four uh, James four eight this is just transform my life, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. It's it's a promise. Uh, he, you know, if you meet God halfway, He can't not meet you. It, that would make Him a liar to do so, and and He can't lie. And James 4, 8 is just, it's transformed my life in so many ways. And this week has been, uh, just for numerous reasons, it's been uh, one of the most emotional weeks of my life. And um, uh, I've had no choice. I haven't been watching TV or listening to, you know, I've, I've, I've just been just meditating and thinking to the Lord, praying to the Lord constantly, just just drawing closer to him than, than I have in, in a long time. And uh, he... Um, I had a, I had a date this week where I had a, a really big victory, and to, to explain how far that I came, I would have to, to, to show you the low point also of where I was Monday. Um, after, I mean, like I said, I came under just severe conviction uh, Sunday, and Monday I was, uh, I was up here at church working, and it was just me and one other person in this church, and uh, she's uh, works with the children in the family ministry, and I just became overwhelmed with uh, just, I mean, I was like, how, 
knowing my past, knowing that I've murdered a dead child, like, how could I, like, how could I touch anything that they touch? I mean, I'm the person that, that sets the inflatables up for the kids on Wednesday night, and uh, all the uh, cleaning the toys and uh, just every work with her, everything involved in the children's ministry, I, I have a hand on. And I just felt so dirty and so unclean. And just uh, if, if I didn't know that it was the Lord's will for me to be here, I would have quit. I would have just been so ashamed and just uh, done what I thought would be the right thing. And uh, I just, uh, I, I cried all day Monday. And I, I hid it from her the best I could. Every time I would like purposely walk out of, of doorways, um, you know, so that my, so that she couldn't see my eyes. And I, I just I wanted it to to tell her so badly, uh, just to know the type of person that she worked with. I just I felt like that the staff needed to know, you know, my past and and what I've done. And uh, I just uh, I just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't lay that on her. She didn't come to work uh, that day to to have to deal with. Uh, uh, the emotional state that I was in, but it was uh, Monday was a rough day. I mean, I just uh, I, I literally cried all day long. It was horrible, and uh, just throughout the process of drawing near to God throughout the week, uh, just in four days' time on Friday, I had something happen. Um, I was in the back uh, moving some furniture. I was moving the orange sofa out of the nursery, which I have no idea why the orange sofa was in the nursery or who put it there. Uh, that made no sense. But uh, I was back there moving it, and um, uh, a little girl walked in. And um, uh, it's a little girl that I've been hoping to to interact with for, for quite some time. And, you know, you can't force it with, with kids, you know. Uh, Usually every time I say hi to her, she doesn't really say anything back to me. And uh, that's okay. I knew it would come in time. But I see the other people on staff that, that play with her and have fun with her. And I knew that, you know, eventually the time would come. Well, I was back there moving the furniture, and uh, she just found me out and uh, walked in. And the uh, conversation began uh, pretty pretty uh, much like you would expect with a three-year-old. She wanted to know what I was doing and why I was doing it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, was, I told her that. And then uh, we ended up in the, uh, in the orange room, and um, uh, we were just, uh, we were playing. Like, she, uh, she was uh, teaching me, she was showing me how to dance and uh, teaching me how to dance. And uh, she was flying, although I'm not going to lie, i never seen her feet leave the floor. But uh, <laughs> she, she said she was flying. I'll take her word for it. And uh, she said, uh, was just telling me at home how she has the purple wings that she flies with. And uh um, we were, uh, she was showing me how to like stand on one foot and hold one foot behind your back and hop around. And, uh, uh, we had the gray chair and she was just doing play. And we had, I mean, just, it was just a mate. I mean, just out of nowhere. Um, um, and, uh, I must have, must have spent 15, 20 minutes with her. And, um, uh, the only, the only two issues I ran into was I didn't know what manics were. Uh, and I think she felt I was pretty stupid for that. <laughs> Uh, and the other was, uh, she did something and I was like, oh, and she's like, what does that mean? Why'd you say that? And I was like, I had to explain. The best I could come up with is like, you know, when you see a cute puppy and you're like, oh, but, um, anyway, she, um, uh, I, I, it didn't, I'd be lying if I, if I said that, that my past didn't, that I didn't think about it at all. But it was just a couple of fleeting thoughts. It, it didn't affect me, you know. I, for you know, for for a moment, I would think like, you know, I wonder if I was supposed to have had a, a son or a daughter, or whatever. But for the most part, uh, I was just able to enjoy it. And um, 
it showed me a lot. It showed me that, I mean, I've got a long ways to go. I, I, I haven't forgiven myself yet, but, you know, if I can make that much progress, if the Lord can, can bring me that far just in drawing close to him in four days, uh, it's like I can, I can see, uh, I can imagine that I could one day uh, be able to forgive myself. And really, it wasn't, it wasn't really her seeking. I mean, it was her seeking me out, but what really happened Friday was the Lord seeking me out. And the Lord just sought me out and found me and, and showed me that uh, that there that there is hope. Amen. There is hope. Thank you, Alan, for sharing your living testimony of the fullness of the forgiveness of Jesus and uh, just the freedom that He desires to bring in our lives. Would y'all thank Alan with me for his sharing today? I want to uh, pray for you, and I also want to pray for all of you. Um, I know this morning that God is stirring, um, and uh, yeah, I just pray that in the specific areas of our struggle, and all of us have them, that we would be uh, submitted to God, and that we would be humbly seeking uh, Him for what He desires in our lives. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, we thank you uh, for this morning, and we thank you for your living word and the living testimony that we've heard uh, this morning of your redeeming grace and what you desire to do in our hearts and lives. And I thank you for Alan. Um, thank you, Lord, for his willingness and courage in sharing this morning. And how, uh, Lord, through his honesty and confession, we see a glimpse of your grace. God, I do pray that you would help Alan to know that you are forgiving God. And Lord, while we deserve to be condemned because of our sin, you sent your son, Jesus. You gave your only son to take our place. And on the cross, He's taken the condemnation that we all deserve. For all who trust in him, there is forgiveness of sin. Because of his death, there is now a banner of no condemnation over our life. For the Spirit of God has set us free from sin and death. Thank you for the fullness, freedom of your grace. And Lord, I pray that Alan would be able to just trust you, to continue to hope in you, Jesus, and that he would be willing to forgive himself for the things that you've forgiven him. Lord, would his life be a testimony to your glory and the hope that we have in you. Lord, for each of us, I pray that we could come to terms with the areas of our brokenness and that, Lord, we could surrender those things to you for you are redeeming God. That we could all be a church that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. For in seeking you, Lord, we shall be satisfied. Thank you, God, for how you are presently at work in our lives. We ask that you continue to work in us as we seek you. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand and sing.
Prayer counselors in the back. I'll be in the front. If you want to make a decision for Christ, our church, or pray about anything specific in your life, please come. Don't wait. Blessed are those who know that they are spiritually poor. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires.